Welcome to Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life. I'm Sherry Essig, an executive and life coach, and I work with people who are done settling for less than success and happiness. And I'm Ann Roby, an HR advisor and consultant focused on building strong employee engagement and meaningful company culture. So Sherry, when this episode drops, Valentine's Day will have just passed, and I know it's one of your absolute favorite holidays. Or maybe the complete opposite of that. Maybe the opposite of that. But here's the deal. Usually Valentine's Day is really focused on other people. But you and I have been having kind of an interesting discussion about an alternative way to, you know, not only show love for other people, but ultimately kind of show ourselves a little love. And so we thought we would talk about self-care a little bit today. So Sherry, what does self-care mean to you? You know, my... Definition of self-care has really changed over the years. You know, when I think back to my 30s and even my early 40s, self-care was very, very tactical for Mm. me. You know, I want to be working out X amount of time a week, and I want to be getting a massage regularly Mm -hmm. and, you know, just very, very tactical. And what I have really come to believe is that the core of self-care is really about being kind to yourself. Mm. And yes, all these other things are important parts of taking care of yourself, right? Taking care of yourself physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but it really does start by being kind to yourself. Yeah, I love that. It And it totally reminds me of um, somebody we quote on the podcast often. That's that's our friend, Mike Robbins. We both just love. And I remember I heard Mike speak once and he was relating a story where he was kind of like hard on himself. He was sort of some of that negative self-talk that we all have and do sometimes. And his wife asked him to pause and she said, hey, careful there, my friend. You're, you're talking about somebody I really love. And that story has always just struck me because you know, we say things to ourselves internally that we would never say to somebody else, especially somebody we cared about. We would never, ever, ever say those things. And so I love what you're saying about really being kind to yourself as being the root of this. And I, I think that's such a great jumping off point. I was doing a little bit of research as we do for these things. And just today on the day we're recording, there was an article in the LA Times And they talked about the history of self-care, which I didn't know a part of this. We're going to talk a few different histories of self-care, but evidently the very, very beginning was what doctors and therapists would say to patients who didn't have the capacity to take care of themselves at all. So it would be things like, make sure you take a bath, make sure you get the right amount of sleep, make sure you eat the right things. And so to your point, you know, tactical, like what, how you defined it, could mean different things to different people, but really you're so right that the roots of it came from the basics. And to be honest, sometimes we're still not that great at the basics for ourselves. Yeah, it's so true. And, you know, I think another thing around self-care is there's a way that you could do something. Let's just use exercise as an example. There's a way that you could exercise that you are still treating yourself really well, you have positive self-talk, you're not overdoing it, you're stretching afterwards, or there's a way that you could exercise where you're just beating the shit out of your body. Yeah. And you are 
just trash talking yourself all the way through. Yeah. And it's a super basic example. And I know we'll talk more about some of these more tactical applications of self-care. But, you know, as I've been thinking about it, there's a piece of this that really is about showing up in a way that's vulnerable and courageous, Mm. you know, because to really take care of yourself, you have to ask for what you want, or you might have to say no to somebody, or you might have to ask for help. And it's just interesting to me that this idea of being kind to yourself and courage and vulnerability really pervades everything. Yeah, it's so interesting the way you put that because I, I don't think I'd thought about self-care being an act of courage or vulnerability before, but you're so right. And especially those of us that are pulled in 18 different directions on a regular basis. And I know lots of people who say things like, well, I just don't have time for any of that mumbo jumbo or you know whatever their words might be. And I mean, at the end of the day, I especially those people that are pulled in so many different directions, I think... It is critical for those of us that are that are in that situation to actually take the time to take care of ourselves because ultimately the very best way you can take care of other people is by starting with yourself first. Yeah, for sure. You know, I used to do this workshop. It wasn't on self-care, but there were some elements of that that came up. But I would ask people how they knew when they were really mm-hmm. stressed and really out of balance. And the answers would be things like, I'm really short-tempered. I can't focus. Mm. I will just bite somebody's head off. I don't sleep well. All of which provide a very rich opportunity for being the most amazing creative version of yourself. (laughs) Exactly. But what became really, really clear was that not taking care of yourself is not in anyone's best interest. That's right. Right? And so it does set us up to be able to have so much more to offer others. It kind of reminds me of one of the articles that we read that, you know, senior leaders, senior executives are often the ones that devalue taking care of yourself the most. And yet, you know, this one article from HBR that we'll reference in the notes really talks about self-care as an investment that increases overall productivity and effectiveness as a leader. And so to your point, not only is it just a good thing for yourself, but it really ultimately ends up serving others. I want to explore this vulnerability and courage thing a little bit more. Can you just talk to us a little bit more about what you mean by that? In what ways does it really take courage to invest in self-care? So I'll give a couple examples. One is my own example, and one is a friend of mine. I'll start with the friend who was very out of shape, was a bit overweight, Hmm. really liked to swim, did not like a lot of other forms of exercise, really liked to swim though, and was embarrassed to put on a bathing suit and go to a pool Hmm. and was really denying herself, A, something she loved, but B, something that was a really important part of her for caring for her health. Yeah. And it ultimately really took some bravery for her to say, I am embarrassed at how I looked and I'm still going to show up at that pool. Yeah. And it was a really big deal for her. Yeah. And you said you had a personal example as well. Yeah. So for me, back in my corporate life, I was not great at (laughs) setting time boundaries, I will say. And 
the number of times that I had self-talk around, I really want to go work out, but I need to get this done. I don't want to be the person who lets anybody else down. And there was a way that I don't know so much that it was courage for me as much as it was, I felt really vulnerable Yeah, acting in a way that was not what people expected of me, I think is what I will say. Yeah, those are great examples because in both cases, the thing that both you and your friend sort of feared, you know, ultimately was really the thing that was going to make you a better friend, a better colleague, a better, you know, feel better about yourself in terms of your friend. And so- It's kind of this magical thing, self-care, that relates to all parts of your life. And indeed, when when we started kicking this around, you and I, we we talked about how self-care, there's probably, you know, 5 million things that we could say self-care is focused on, but ultimately we would boil it down to your physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual Mm well-being. And it may be that some people have some of those things locked in and, and they're doing great. And it may be that some people aren't doing anything on some of those things. The other interesting thing about self-care is it means so many different things to so many different people. And like you said, in your 30s and early 40s, maybe it was a little bit more tactical. But I mean, this is what makes it a little bit hard and why if you Google, you'll find 5 million gazillion articles on what self-care is. But ultimately, only we can decide for ourselves what self-care really means to us. Yeah, it's so true. And it's so easy, I think, for a lot of people to get hooked on what it is supposed to look like. That's right. Right? And what is an acceptable level of self-care? And I'm falling short (laughs) if I'm not doing enough self-care, right? Or Or I'm I'm doing way too much. I'm doing way too much (laughs) self-care. And it's like so many other things is it has to work for you and it has to be a good fit for your personality and the flow of your life and right. What you know, you can sustain. Yeah. And it does mean getting rid of a lot of shoulds. Yeah. And I do think another part of this in trying to figure out what is the right self care balance for each of us as individuals is to keep those four things in mind. And so if you over rotate one direction or the other, right, must work out X number of days a week, like you were talking about in your thirties and forties, you know, on the surface, great, you're taking care of yourself physically, but are you also balancing that with the emotional, intellectual and spiritual sides as well? Right. And probably not. And probably going back to our goals episode or anti-goals from the beginning of the year, there was a bit of a zero-sum game there, right? Like either you did exercise this number of days or you didn't. And I'm guessing there's this underlying lack of kindness if you didn't achieve the goal. Right. Which to me sort of like is the opposite of self-care in some ways. Yeah. I want to go back to a word you just used is well-being. Because I think well-being is such a great umbrella word. You know, it's a little bit of how well is my being, mm-hmm. you know, uh, somebody just Look made that the comment, little mic drop, mm-hmm. right? How well <laughs> is your being? Because again, we are human beings, right? We often think we're human doings, but we are actually <laughs> human beings. And it's an interesting lens to look at it through, right? Is to your point, for one person, it might be, I'm really great at relaxing and I'm not doing a great job of taking care of my physical body. For somebody else, it might be that I'm really great at 
working out and taking care of my body and I eat well, but I'm a stressed out mess. Yeah. And I think this idea of well-being is a much more holistic way to think about am I taking care of myself? That's right. Am I tending to my well-being? That's right. I really like that. You know, it's interesting because we had Aisha on a couple of weeks ago as well. And she used the example where for her, getting sort of a manicure pedicure was was kind of maintenance. But getting the extra massage that came with the manicure pedicure was the way that she engaged in some self-care. And so I don't want to say you always have to spend money or have other people do things for you when it comes to self-care, but I really liked that clarification that she gave us because, you know, to somebody that never, ever, ever gets a manicure, getting a manicure is self-care, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody that never has that opportunity, giving themselves a manicure and taking the time could be self-care, right? And so it is so personal and so important that we look at what are the things that are really serving us on all four of these fronts. And so your example of somebody that just sort of takes a down me day, like that's neither good nor bad. It was really up to the individual to sort of determine if that is self-care. And the invitation that I think we're putting out there is to look at it holistically. Is that down day something that is serving you? Is that down day helping you on all four fronts? Or is that down day kind of a little bit of escapism, right? And so we're not suggesting an answer here. All we're suggesting is to look at the things that you regularly do or maybe don't do and consider, is this really caring for myself in the best way possible? Right. Am I being kind to myself? Yes. Right? Am I tending to my well-being? Am I being kind to myself? Yeah. And I think that's such a great filter to run things through. You know, I have a friend who does a lot of distance running and Mm. she is running her, I have no idea how many she's run, but she's running her next ultra in a couple of weeks. And I have to say the idea of running, and I'm not sure how long this one is, but they're often a hundred miles. It could be 50 miles. The idea of that, that would not be self-care for me. That's right. And for her, it feeds her soul. Mm. And so in that way, it is deeply self-care for her because it really supports her well-being. Yeah. And then hopefully she gets a nice foot massage or something afterwards because that's a a lot of miles. Exactly. It's such an interesting example that all her physical exercise is is great, but the self-care piece of an ultra for her is the way it feeds her soul. Yeah. And that's, it's a really, really good example, Sherry, of that balance that it's not just the physical, but in that case, it really sounds like it's the emotional and the spiritual perhaps even as well. Right. And so it's multifaceted for her that it really, really helps her and is not just a way to punish yourself. And, you know, it somewhat reminds me of, I was in a yoga class and yoga for me is very much self-care and yoga feeds me on multiple levels, but I was in a class once and there might've been a teeny bit of ego involved or a little show-offiness or something. I don't remember why, but I was deep, deep, deep into a, into a warrior two pose and without getting too granular about what warrior two is for those that don't know, basically it's like a lunge. And one of the directions you sometimes will get is to try to get deep enough so that your quadricep is parallel to the ground. And I was deep, deep, deep in, and I was shaking a little bit, but I was kind of proud of myself. And 
And again, yoga is something that feeds me. Yoga does serve me on multiple different levels. And the instructor kind of came over and gently kind of suggested I come up out of it a little bit. So God forbid I wasn't, you know, the top of my leg wasn't parallel to the ground. And he eased me into a more gentle version of the pose. And then he said to me, do you find this is something in your life that you are often pushing really hard? And it was this huge aha for me, like, uh, yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> and there it is. But it was, it was a simple reminder, but it was such a powerful, I mean, that was years ago. So a little shout out to Pete Quinoso, who's the person that said that to me. But it was such a great reminder of it is still the pose, even if the top of my leg isn't parallel to the floor. And what a beautiful reflection and reminder, like, oh yeah, this is something I do outside of this place that's supposed to be my place of respite is push really hard towards something. It's a really interesting story because I have found that the way we show up in one thing is often the way we show up in another (laughs) thing. I mean, it doesn't ever happen to me, of course, but I've noticed this in other people. It's not your tagline of your whole company business at all or anything like that. Oh, no. Oh, right. The way you live your day is the way you live your life. Nothing Nothing like like that. that. But it, it is interesting that these themes will show up in the way you tend to your well-being. Yeah. Like, I'm really loving that phrase. I'm using that now instead of self-care. <laughs> but it's, it's another good place to look around where do you get stuck when you start thinking about taking yes. care of yourself. Yes. Right? And how might that inform some different choices? That's right. And so I I love what you're suggesting because sometimes we don't know where to look. Sometimes we can be so detached from what's actually happening that we don't even know where to start, right? And so looking for some of those unconscious habits and patterns, looking for the way that what you just said, the way you show up in one place, maybe the way you're showing up in others could help identify some areas that might need a little bit of TLC, right? Mm -hmm. And a little bit of caring. So if you tend to push really hard, you know, another one of our favorite yoga teachers, Jill Stockman, when talking about different kinds of yoga, I I distinctly remember her saying to us, you know, if in your life you're super, super structured, then you might appreciate a kind of yoga that isn't that structured. But if in your life you are not very structured, then a very structured class might be good for you. And it's such a great example of doing the thing that gets you out of those habits and patterns and unconscious ways of operating. And that ultimately is truly the self-care. Right. Yoga is a great example because on paper, yoga is self-care. Sure. Right? Like can on, be. On, <laughs> right? It's good for your mind. It's good for your body. It's good for your spirit. And it's a really, really good example of if you go into a yoga class and you beat the shit out of yourself. That's right. That is not self-care. Yeah. And so it's such a good example of there's an infinite number of things that can be self-care, and there are an infinite number of examples of the way they might be used as something that is not self-care. Yeah. The other interesting thing is that this has been a topic of discussion for decades, probably more than that, right? I mean- For sure. Most of my adult life, I can think of people talking about self-care. I did a quick search on Amazon because I was curious how many self-care books there are. (laughs) (laughs) The results came back as over 600,000 results, (laughs) right? 
And so, and I'm pretty sure all those books haven't been recently written. And yet, as we were researching the episode, one of the things we found is that the number of searches for self-care has more than doubled since 2015. That's right. Which is so interesting because that would suggest that no matter how many self-care resources are out there, we're not getting better at it. (laughs) It's still a fruitful place for if you're a book author. So Sherry, not only, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the history of the word self-care really came from people who literally could not take care of themselves. Interestingly, where it really started to gain a lot of traction was in a super interesting place. And that is with the Black Panther Party in the 60s. And I find this really interesting because the idea was for activists to really be able to fight another day. You know, Angela Davis, who was who was very prominent in the Black Panther Party, said, anyone who is interested in making change in the world also needs to understand how to take care of himself, herself, themselves. And so if you think about that history too, right, and how hard some people drive themselves, whether they're activists or senior executives or moms or whoever, and how hard we drive ourselves and how incredibly important. And they were really talking about this actively in the 60s as a way to further their activism and to really support the work that their folks were doing. I find that really interesting. It's so applicable to pretty much everybody, right? Again, it's just, it's this idea that whatever it is that is important to you, however you're making a difference in your world, you are going to be able to have a much bigger impact if you are operating on all of your cylinders. That's right. That's exactly right. And only you can really define what all of your cylinders are and how they are operating at the highest level. But what we are suggesting is that you take the time to pause and reflect and really look inward to understand what would be helpful and supportive. So Sherry, we've talked a lot about some examples. We've talked about some of the history. We've talked about what we both think it is. But you know, one of the hardest things to do is to just get started on some of these things. So I'm curious what ideas you have for us on how we get started in taking better care of ourselves. So again, this is going to be a little bit different for everybody, but wherever you are in that process, like so many things, it starts with some awareness of really asking yourself the question, how well am I tending to my well-being? And Mm -hmm. where are there spots or parts in my life where I'm not tending to it so well? Yeah, And once you can identify an area, you may be somebody who you feel really good that I'm tending to myself physically and I'm tending to myself emotionally. I've been a little lax on the spiritual side of my life or my head is filled with so much chatter that I'm not tending well to my mental well-being. And somebody else might be, I'm a little like less focused on my physical well-being than I think I would like to be. And so it really starts with awareness. And then like so many things we have talked about, start with something small if it's something new that you're introducing in. Um, So there's that piece if you're starting from scratch. But then there's the piece of I've been playing with this this, I don't think it's a phrase, but hashtag tiny choices, Mm. which is 
just keeping a lens up of, is there some tiny choice I can make in this moment that will be good for my well-being, mm. right? This just happened to me the other day. I was really hungry, unusually hungry. It had been like an hour and a half since I'd eaten lunch. <laughs> and for some reason, I was like really hungry. And so I walked downstairs and what I was starting to reach for, I had this moment of, you know, maybe a piece of fruit would be better. And so I had a piece of fruit. But on the other hand, sometimes a tiny choice might be, you know, I have really been busting my butt and I'm going to reach for a little cookie here yeah. because tending to my well-being is giving myself a nice little treat right now. Yeah. What is going to serve you the most and I mean, I love this idea of tiny choices, Sherry. What what immediately popped into my head, and again, I'm going to reference our friend Jill Sockman, is it can be as tiny as the way you're standing. Right. And so, you know, I have a habit when I'm in the line at the grocery store, you know, one hip is sort of stuck out. I've got the phone in a hand and my body's all twisted into some weird contortion because I'm probably carrying a basket of food in the other and. You know, one of the things that Jill taught us is just to take a peek down at your feet and are they parallel to each other and more or less even with each other. And I know that sounds exceptionally tiny, but for me, I know that when I can stay a little bit more in alignment, even if I'm scrolling my phone and holding the food in the line at the grocery store, it actually is one of the things that helps keep my my back in better working order by simply taking a peek at my feet and making sure that they're parallel to each other. Yeah. I think what we're really talking about in this episode is so much less about here's the things you need to do right. to be taking care of yourself and more a call to say, listen, it starts with kindness. It starts with really paying attention to your well-being and then taking a look at what are some of these choices I can make. And most of them will be tiny. That's right? right. But sometimes there'll be bigger choices. But to really start to move through the world with this lens around regular check-ins on your well-being. Yeah. I love that. And I really love the foundation of being kind to yourself. And that can be as simple as just catching yourself, you know, like Mike's wife did for him, catching yourself when you're having those moments when you're beating yourself up. And so sometimes self-care is just stopping the negative talk. And it could be as simple as just trying to turn it around in some way. And then you can build. And it's tiny things. It's bigger things. It's getting your body taken care of. You're making sure mentally you're in a really strong place. Spiritually, all of these things are incredibly important to your overall well-being. And I know, Sherry, I know it can feel selfish sometimes. I know it can feel like Oh, me time. I mean, I think there's even jokes about like, oh, me time, right? But the fact is me time leads to you time, leads to us time. And it really makes all of us so much more effective in walking this perfectly imperfect journey. Yeah. You know, your comment about it can feel selfish. I had a client years ago who really struggled with feeling like it was self-indulgent. She was a mm. single mom and had a super intense job. And we ended up coining the word self-full mm. because it helped her shift her perspective around it that it's not selfish. It's letting myself fully inhabit myself. Oh, I love that. Self-full. 
There's another hashtag, hashtag self full. I, I love it. Yeah. We want to encourage everybody to adopt one or two self-care strategies, whether you're starting from scratch and you'll have one or two, or whether you feel like you're really, really good at self-care, to still take a look at, am I tending to my full well-being? Yeah. You know? And so, yes, one of the definitions of Valentine's Day is a celebration of love and affection. And we're not saying to stop doing that for others, but we're really encouraging everybody to also start doing that for yourself. I love that. It does remind me of that great Buddha quote, if your compassion does not include yourself, it's incomplete. And so we're saying the exact same thing for kindness and love for yourself. If your kindness and caring doesn't include you, it's incomplete. And that wraps up our episode for today. We really hope you enjoyed it and would love if you shared our podcast with a friend, gave us a rating on iTunes, or posted it to your own social media. Please join us next time for Flowing East and West, the perfectly imperfect journey to a fulfilled life.